You have no idea how bad it gets. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Rancid Taco Movie Review Podcast. I'm Skylar Sanders here with my cohort and uh, homoerotic cowboy friend, Mason Weir. Today we are climbing Brokeback Mountain. Yeah. It came out in 2005 and got 87% on Rotten Tomatoes. Pretty good score for the old, from the old Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, and I'm... I'm not going to be at 87% or anywhere close to it. I did not really enjoy this movie. Yeah, it, uh, I don't know. Like I wanted to, I wanted to like it more than I did. And I get kind of what they're saying, I think, or at least what the story's trying to express. But to me, it was a sort of slow moving, not very exciting and mildly believable relationship so i i don't know it was i just thought it was i i thought it was overhyped for what for what it was how it was received yeah it won a bunch of awards and i don't think that it was warranted necessarily though there are some some redeeming qualities i guess but yeah i i wouldn't give it an 87 that's for sure yeah yeah there are things about it to really like like the landscapes are beautiful the music is kind of calm and tranquil and like there is a love story that's going on here. And when you think about the social um, statement that they're trying to make about these two guys and their inability to, to be able to lead the life that they kind of want to live, there's really, there's really interesting things going on here. But as far as the movie goes in a movie sense, it just was hard. It was hard for me to get into it and it just didn't capture me. Yeah. I'm with you, man. It, it didn't do it for me either. And I don't, I mean, like you were saying about the scenery, that was the best part for me. The uh, Midwest mountain ranges that they kept showing. I guess they're up in Wyoming, right? Yeah, Wyoming, I believe. So there were some nice shots there. The music at first I thought I enjoyed, but then it dawned on me about halfway through that this was the anti-Titanic. <laughs> they just kept playing the same guitar, sad guitar picking all movie long the whole movie yeah i guess i was i more like the music mixed with the scenery but when it came to the music feeding the story it really didn't do much i didn't think for the story except for make it even more slow and droning yeah it was it was slow but let's go ahead and get into the cast because it did have a good cast it was led by heath ledger who is now deceased unfortunately Mm mm-hmm but he was in Monsters Ball, Ten Things I Hate About You, Lords of Dogtown, and most notably, I think, The Dark Knight as the Joker. Yeah, and he plays Enos Del Mar. Is that what you told you said that? Yeah, his so name he, is Enos in this movie. Yeah, an interesting name, and, and his character is by far, I think, the most complex character of the movie, and also the the most interesting. And I think he does he ha, he gives the best performance. So. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. I think Heath Ledger was definitely the bright spot of the film for me. I well, you mentioned how you thought he mumbled everything, and I agreed completely. He mumbled his uh, way through the whole movie. I didn't like that. Yeah, it was a little hard to understand him, but I think the more I thought about it, the more it made sense in the world of he was like this. Physically, you could tell he was just a conservative, 
tight wound, keep it to the chest kind of cowboy that didn't really talk about his feelings and stuff and, and things of that nature. And I guess having known people similar to that growing up, those type of uh, people coming from West Virginia, it's pretty accurate to the character, but it is hard to understand his dialogue at times. And that's kind of frustrating. Yeah, I actually, I kind of agree with that. It, it fit the character for him to, to speak so softly and infrequently, but it also didn't make for a great acting performance or at least an enjoyable thing for me. Yeah. Uh, but, but I wanted to ask before we moved on to the next cast member, as the Joker, which is his most famous role, who do you think does a better job between he, Jack Nicholson? Oh, Jack. him. It's no contest. His Joker's well, the you most admit. You didn't let me it does it. I know all the Jokers, okay? He does the best one. What about Joaquin Phoenix or Joaquin Phoenix, whatever his name is? Joaquin Phoenix? God, I'm never going to I love this guy, too. He's one of my favorite actors, but I can never say his first name. Yeah, Joaquin Phoenix's Joker was really good. That was an interesting movie too, but it was not as it was not as uh, captivating as Heath Ledger's Joker. Eh? I don't completely agree, but I hope to get to the Batman series eventually. So we'll get into that more. I want to do both well, those movies at some point. We'll definitely get into it, but uh, yeah, I mean, Heath Ledger's Heath Ledger's Joker was just phenomenal character work. Yeah, it was. It was. It was really good. Uh, moving on. It's also led by a co-lead is Jake Gyllenhaal. Yes. And you, you said you're not a fan of him, but he's been in some pretty big time movies over the years. He was in October Sky, Donnie Darko. Uh, he's in a movie I like called Prisoners with uh, Hugh Jackman, Jarhead, um, yeah. uh, some boxing movie he was in. He was pretty good. What's, yeah, your, what's I, your beef with Jake I, Gyllenhaal? I've just never bought him as the leading male that Hollywood's tried to sell me him as like, I don't, I don't get, he comes off as really uh, not very masculine, but he's always set in these masculine roles. And it's just like, I don't, uh, I, I don't, I have never bought a Jake Gyllenhaal performance and just walked out of there and been like, man, he did a really good job. Well, like Donnie. he's, he's good in this. He's, he's good in this, but it's not, he doesn't blow me away. I think he gets. I think he gets upstaged by Heath Ledger, and I just don't. I don't. I don't like him. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't have anything against him for sure. I don't like his face. Yeah. His stupid face. Well, he does have don't kind look of a dumb looking look, face. Yeah, don't look at me with that dumb face, Jake Gyllenhaal. Those big weird eyes. Now I like his sister, Maggie. Get Maggie Gyllenhaal's good. I think. But uh, Jake, Jake doesn't do it for me. Yeah. She was in uh, the Batman movies as well with Heath Ledger. That's weird. They were all kind of together yeah. on this. Yeah. Because next in the cast, I have Anne Hathaway, who was in the third Batman movie as uh, Catwoman. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I'll go ahead and say I am not a fan of Anne Hathaway at all. Not even remotely. She's my Jake, Jake Gyllenhaal for, for you. I don't like her in, in anything she's in. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen her in anything that I've been like, ooh, really good job. I just think she kind of fits the part of leading female actress. And, she, and yeah, she's she's like whatever. She was in The Princess Diaries, uh, The Dark Knight Rises, as I said. Alice in Wonderland, she was the White Queen. And uh, okay. I've never seen Les Miserables or Les Miserables. I don't, I, I don't know how to say that. 
Les Miserables. Les Miserables. She was in that. Never seen that. Uh, Which roughly translates to The Miserables, I guess. Yeah. So it's for miserable actors as well. Yeah, I'm French. I know, I know French. Yeah, you, you defended the French pretty vigorously in the uh, last episode, the Titanic episode. Well, I had to take a stand because you were doing the classic American just diss on the French. Hey, man, free speech in America, and I don't like the language or that armpit area, so I'm going to say it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you also call them freedom fries instead of French fries? Uh, no, I don't even know what that is, actually. Okay. Is, is that a thing? For, is people people say freedom fries instead of French fries. Well, re- remember, like during the there was some something went on where France kind of stood up against the United States and said that they were doing something bad. It might have been during the Iraq War, and so for a while everyone was like, "Stop calling them French fries. Call them freedom fries." <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't remember. <laughs> That's pretty and, funny, actually. I don't, I don't... Yeah. And I was like, "That's so. That's so fucking dumb." But I actually found out why they're called French fries, and my my chef at my job told me. I asked him this, and he said that they're called French fries because of the way they're cut. The style of the crinkle of the cut, I guess, is a French style or something. Yeah. All right. Well, that's interesting. Mildly. Yeah. Mildly. <laughs> More interesting than Anne Hathaway, I'll say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, and then we also have Michelle Williams uh, plays Alma Beers Del Mar, Annis' wife. I think she and, stole the show. I think she was the yeah. best of, of the bunch. Yeah, I have to agree. She did a really good job. Uh, she was in Dawson's Creek, Oz the Great and Powerful, Shutter Island. I can't say I really remember her from any of those. I, I've seen Shutter Island, and I don't really remember her at all, but she's good in this. Yeah, and then uh, Randy Quaid has a nice little cameo at the beginning there. Uh, he's in pretty frequently. I, I thought he was good, too. Yeah, he does a fine job. And uh, Linda Carta, Cardellini? Uh, yeah. For, plays the, uh, Enos Del Mar's later uh, kind of fling at the end there. And Cardinelli. She's at, Cardinelli, yeah. She's actually really recognizable, and she's, she does a lot of good stuff, I feel like. I remember her from Grandma's Boy. Yeah. She's the female lead in that. But you skipped over Randy Quaid pretty quickly, man. There's a lot to unpack with this guy. <sighs> do we have to do this every podcast? Or... <laughs> Come on, dude. Randy Quaid, man. He, he plays a cameo. I Like, if we were doing Independence Day, I would get into deeper into his character. But he plays like a side character. He, He's a great character actor with Major League, Independence Day, uh, all the Vegas and Christmas vacation yeah. movies. Come on. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's good. I like him. I'm not saying he's not good. I'm just saying that uh, his character in this movie doesn't deserve a five-minute explanation. So we spend 20 minutes talking about the <laughs> casting. I'm trying to really drag out the cast this time because I don't have yeah. a lot to say about the actual movie. And I'm trying to hustle it along because... I don't know. Yeah. Well, let me get through these last couple names. Anna Ferris is in it. Linda Cardinelli, as you said. Kate Mara, who is in We Are Marshall, so I'm going to mention her. And David Harbour, who stars in Stranger Things, has a, a short appearance at the end. Yeah, Anna Ferris, I think, is the funny one to me that she's it, plays this little cameo of this little housewife that's kind of uh, bubbly and talkative. And uh, and then later she would be the scream host or the the, the main actress in Scream was a screamer, yeah. Or wait, scary movie. Yeah, okay, yeah, okay, that's it. That was parodying like Scream and American Pie and all those types of movies. 
You're always rushing me through the cast, man. I'm, I'm all. Yeah, we spend twenty minutes. <laughs> we spend twenty minutes of podcast on the cast. It's not that important because we're ne- we're hardly ever going to mention these characters like throughout the movie. No, but sometimes it's nice to you know give the actor some props, and then we'll we maybe we'll see them in a in a future movie. Uh, okay. All right. So so we'll get into the real movie then, the actual movie, and and get off the tired cast here. <laughs> and it, it it starts out with uh, almost no dialogue for the first several minutes. Uh, mm-hmm. Then it's it's two young men, Jack and Ennis. What what's up with all the Jacks in these romance movies? It's always a Jack. Yeah, I was thinking about that. I was like, why well, we got another Jack going on here? Okay. Yeah, Jack must be a very romantic name. But my friend Jack, that may or may not listen to this podcast, I don't think he has a romantic bone in his body. So. Oh, I was going to say the opposite. I was going to say, like, Jack looks like a hopeless romantic. <laughs> oh, maybe he is. I don't, I don't know. We don't talk about a lot of romance. Yeah, me, I've never talked to them about romance, but I think under there, Jack, if you're listening, you're a real romantic guy. Oh, yeah, Jack. Uh, but, but Jack in this movie is Jake Gyllenhaal, and he and Heath Ledger's character, Ennis, are both hired as cowboys to tend sheep and maintain the profitability of Randy Quaid's ranch. Uh, did you write down his character's name? Aguire or something? Aguar? Joe Aguar, yeah. Okay, so he's the boss. And basically, they're going up to this mountaintop, and they're going to live out there for the, the spring and summer and tend uh, the sheep and, and cattle, livestock that are up there. Yeah, so it's one of those jobs. And he kind of explains it to him and says... One of you is going to be staying at the base and cooking the beans and yada yada. Beans is like the, they talk about the beans more. Beans is the most said line in the first hour of the movie, I think. And then, uh, and then the other one's going to be staying up there sleeping with the sheep so he can keep an eye on them because he lost 25% of his stock. Yeah, he said he has to sleep with the sheep and make, don't make a fire. So are, is this guy meant to just sleep like on the ground with the sheep and no fire all summer long? I guess. I guess he just sets up a little tent up there and and sleeps next to the sheep or, or around the sheep so he can protect them in case wolves or what coyotes or whatever are trying to kill him. That's a shitty job, man. At least that part yeah, of it is. It's you got to be you got to be tough I think for that job. And this was in we should also note this movie is, begins in 1963 is the uh, the time period. Mm-hmm. It by the time it ends, I think we're in the 80s, mid 80s, but it starts yeah. out in the 60s. This this whole beginning here is kind of slow and awkward. For uh, I mean, they they don't talk. Um, yeah, Ennis and Jack, they just talk to this boss, and the boss is kind of rude to them. So it's it's just all weird. And even when they get up on the mountain and they're doing their their manly stuff and like you know. Uh, making food and stirring the pot of beans and uh, and uh, shooting things and trying to hunt for food and basically just camping it and roughing it up there and herding the sheep and making sure they're doing everything right. So they're just by themselves and they're not talking at all during that hardly either. No, so it's like this. It's this real tough cowboy bravado that they're putting up, but all the while under the surface we can we can feel something simmering. Yeah. Well, th- this first part is where they really show a lot of the uh, the shots, the scenic shots of the mountains. Yeah. And so I enjoyed the first 15, 20 minutes of the movie. 
even though not a lot was happening. It was just a, a nice, nice scenery to take in. And the music was yeah. still fresh and good at this point. And I found myself wondering, could I live like this? Could I like, I, maybe it would be nice to live up there out in the middle of nowhere and just not have anybody to mess with you for a little while at least. Yeah, it's, it seems somewhat peaceful, though. Carrying full-grown sheep is not really my cup of tea. Yeah, probably not. It seems like a lot of work tending these sheep. You're literally just walking around taking care of shit. Uh, but they yeah. yeah, they introduce themselves to one another after they're both hired. And that's when you find out that Ennis' parents had died a terrible death when he was young. So he was raised by his siblings. And Jack is into rodeos, and, and he's in a rodeo family. So he's a rodeo yeah. cowboy in his spare time. Uh, they yeah. they both heard the livestock, and I thought it was interesting. Also, that did you notice the little sheep dog they had that was not a sheep dog at all? Uh, what do you mean it wasn't a sheep dog? Well, I mean it was a dog that was herding sheep, but isn't sheep dog a specific um, breed of dog? Like the big oh, yeah, snaggy prob- ones? Probably, but I don't think they just always use those. I think in the United States, those are like I feel like those are English sheep dog or Irish sheep dog, but you're thinking of yeah well this was just like a little mutt like a little terrier or something but just a little note that i had and another strange little note i had and this is when they're up in the in the woods and they're starting to hang out at one point uh, jack gets on a horse and goes to ride away down this trail and seemingly he rides very fast and i bet you didn't notice this but if you look at the horse's legs whenever he runs away they sped up the tape, so it's it's actually in fast motion, and the horse is very clearly walking slowly. <laughs> I did I didn't notice that, but I wish I did. That's hilarious. Yeah, when I saw it, I was like, "What's up with that horse's legs? Why does he look like Sonic the Hedgehog?" And then I was like, "Oh, <laughs> they just they did CGI and made it, he's walking, but they made it look like he was running by, or not CGI, but they like fast forwarded it." That's funny. Why would they why would they do that? I guess the director just looked at it. He's like, no, no, make him run instead. Well, maybe Jake insisted on being on the horse, but he they didn't want him to get hurt. So they're like, no, he, he can walk and then make it look like he's going fast later. We'll, we'll fix it in, yeah. in post-production. That could be true. And I, I saw some interview that, that uh, Heath Ledger was actually grew up around horses. So he was pretty familiar with horses. But Jake Gyllenhaal said that he had no idea. He, he went and stayed on a ranch or something to try and learn how to ride horses before the movie. <clears throat> so he had a, he had a crash course in horse riding. Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe I was wrong about that, but I noticed and I, it was, it looked pretty funny. So I had to write it down. Well, I, I can tell you, like, if you don't know how to ride horses, it's uh, it's pretty nerve wracking to do. I had to ride horses on stage at the outdoor theater I worked at and uh, it was a bareback and I was playing a native American and this horse, every night I would ride, and it was a fast gallop down across the stage and around the back with a line of horses. And she used to always try to throw me off or rub me up against the wall or stuff. Like, horses are assholes. They're, you, have to, you have to break them. This is literally, you have to, like, be an asshole to them so that they finally will just listen to you and fear you, I guess. Yeah, horses are, I mean, I've heard stories of horses not only throwing people off but kicking them in the face. A horse can kill you, man, with a kick to the face. Oh, yeah, they're huge and strong as hell. Yeah. So en- Ennis's duties are, I-, I didn't write down Jack's duties, but Ennis's duties are to go, to go for supplies and their pay, uh, I think, once a week. Mm-hmm. So he goes to get the weekly supplies, which is not what was promised to them. <clears throat> Randy Quaid's character is kind of an asshole boss as well. But on the way home, he's attacked by a bear. 
What kind of bear was that? I didn't. I didn't even write it down. I I don't even remember. I want to say it's like a grizzly, but uh, I, I it was one of those moments where I was looking down or making a note, and the scene happened so quickly that I looked back up, and it was just like it was over. Yeah, so it I, happened I think, very quickly. Yeah, I think it was uh, was it it was a brown, right? So yeah, it was, either, it was either grizzly or brown bear. Both pretty badass bears, and this is not a good bear fight scene, especially once you've seen the Revenant and you've seen. <laughs> Leonardo DiCaprio face off with that grizzly bear. There's nothing that can top that bear scene. Yeah, there's no bear scene uh, out there that, that beats that bear scene. Oh, that's a great one, man. I love that that fight scene, the the bear against Leo. Yeah. But in this one, the bear lightly attacks him, and I, I think it's meant to imply that it scratched his face because he's got these claw marks down his face later. But the important thing is that his horse runs away with the supplies, so he doesn't have the weekly supplies now. Yeah. And that's when they decide to go hunting. And all this is meant to, I guess, build a bond between these two men. Yeah, he comes back and, and at first uh, Jack is like, where the hell is it? What do you got? What, what are you doing? Why, what's up? And then he notices he's bleeding and he starts kind of being like, are you all right? Or, and he wets a rag and gives it to him and dabs his head. And then, and then instead of like, he's dabbing his head, trying to doctor him up. But then Enos grabs the rag from him and is like, oh, I got it. Yeah, he, uh, Jack tries to tend to the wound for him. He he starts showing a little bit of uh, extra mm-hmm. compassion towards him. Yeah. Uh, they kill an elk together. Enos kills the elk. And then it looks like really good eating there. They're tanning and, and like uh, drying out this elk meat and just eating it off the bone. It looks awesome. Yeah, that looks delicious. I would probably, eat the hell they, out of that elk. Yeah, they didn't probably have any any spices for it, so it's probably pretty plain. But still, as a man, as a man, I just want to take a big. I just want to grab the elk leg and just take a big bite out of it and rip the meat off the bone. Yeah, that looked good. Uh, but then things start getting a little bit more intimate between these two guys that are up in this mountains uh, by themselves. They start taking these like shorthand showers. It's weird. Uh, Heath Ledger's character at one point is crouching down like a catcher and washing himself with like a can of water. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're surrounded by rivers. That seems like maybe the worst possible way to clean yourself. And it seems very ineffective as well. Yeah. And, and also the fact that uh, the Jack is kind of sitting there by the fire. It's like, why don't you go off and do this by yourself in a discreet location? But Okay. Yeah, you see him right behind Jack. The, the, the focus is on Jack's face, but you see a, a blurry, naked Heath Ledger behind him. Yeah, and I kept waiting for Jack to kind of give a discreet look at him and check him out, but it never really happened. He just kind of sat there and was looking off in another direction. Yeah, I was waiting for that too, actually. I was like, He's gonna, is he going to glance? No, he never glanced. He just I was off. like, yeah, I was like, good job, Ang Lee. Don't make it too obvious. Ang Lee's also directed the film. They uh, they also pee in front of each other, which isn't on the surface, un, uh, you know, unnatural or unnormal. But in this movie, I think they're using it as a device. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it kind of let us know they were getting comfortable around each other or whatnot. But that's pretty common. Yeah, there's a, another weird scene here where they're talking about the rodeos. And, and Ennis says that his dad looks down on all or his dad used to look down on all rodeo cowboys and Jack for some reason, like, stands up. I'm actually with you on this, not liking Jake Gyllenhaal. 
he stands up and yells in his face weirdly. What what is it he says? Uh, I don't recall. Well, you don't remember uh, the scene? He he yells in his he like uh, he tries to prove that they're not all crazy and he gets down in his face and yells something like yippee kaye or something like I don't I really don't remember. Oh that. yeah yeah he starts hooting and going yeehaw like it was really I don't know I didn't I didn't notice it. Uh, much more than Jake Gyllenhaal was all of a sudden acting kind of goofy. Yeah, it's very weird. And then in the following scene, they're drunk. Uh, they've been out there drinking at night, and he's singing horribly. I don't know if he really is that bad of a singer, but he's just bad, drunken singing here in this one. And yeah, it, I think he's he's playing it up a little bit, I think. So they were going for bad. Well, he, yeah. they, they pulled that off. So, yeah, they're, they're supposed to look like unartistic cowboy men that, that don't have a that don't have a homo or sexual bone in their body. Right. And, and at this point, we're... But we know, we know the truth. We know what they really are. Uh, well, we find out real quick. It, I mean, if you, if you went into this movie <laughs> with no uh, preconceived notion, this first 25 minutes or 30 minutes, everything's all pretty much good. You know? It, mm-hmm. it, it's not bad. It, it, it could be building into a pretty good story. But you're probably should... wondering. Yeah, you're probably wondering what the hell you're watching. You're wondering what you're watching, and then you're going to find out in the next scene here because I guess Heath Ledger's character wants to sleep out on the on the hard ground, even though it's well, he gets he gets wasted, he gets really drunk. Yeah, they're both really drunk. It's really cold, and Jack's sleeping in the tent. He invites Heath into the tent, but but Ennis, I, I should start calling him Ennis, but he yeah. he says, "Come on, Ennis, come on in the tent." And of course, Ennis is resisting, but he's he's vocally chattering his teeth out there he's moaning he's so cold yeah yeah he's he's he doesn't want to accept his invitation to the tent and it's there's nothing you know homosexual about his invitation to the tent um he's just saying like you're gonna freeze out here or whatever you might as well sleep in the tent yeah and he, he finally he gets him in the tent and uh they they're sleeping beside each other and at this point jack grabs ennis's hand and forces him to spoon with him. Ennis wakes up and, and protests for a minute, and Jack aggressively grabs him, kind of holds him in place, tells him it's okay, and, and starts kissing him. Ennis is protesting this whole time, and then just at a snap of a finger, Ennis gives in, and he... Uh, he <laughs> yeah. He just, he, just, he just turns Jack over and, and gives him the wood, man. He just lays it yeah. to him. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, so <laughs> and this so, scene is very graphic, by the way. It's pretty graphic, and uh, it's yeah, it's definitely. We don't see anything, you know, too graphic other than the physicality of the scene is the most graphic part because they really go at each other like a couple of angry cowboys that are just there, you know, to hate fuck each other. I guess. Well, I found it interesting that that Jack was the one kind of being aggressive you know it, it would have never happened if not for jack's aggressive actions but ennis ennis is the one that ends up in the, the dominant position well yeah ennis ennis is the dominant man of the two jack is definitely uh jack definitely enjoys homosexual encounters as we'll come to <laughs> we'll come to find later i think and i think uh, ennis's character is not really gay but he's just kind of uh, at this point, I just felt he was drunk and he was doing whatever, and it was like, sure, why not? I'm drunk, but but Jack was definitely 
Forcing, forcing his hand, literally and figuratively. Oh, God. I love this game of uh, tango we're playing to see who, who's going to go <laughs> over the line first. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, it's a delicate line. This like. is a very delicate line. <laughs> and and I don't want yeah, I don't want to say anything disparaging or or you know, um, offensive to anyone but cuz you know, whatever. We we live in a pretty PC culture here. But this this is uh, as as a straight man, you're watching two cowboys fuck each other out here in the tent and you've got to be thinking in your head, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> 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 you, you know, the, the part that sticks out the most for me in this scene is when Ennis spits in his hand first to, to lube up the ass. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. Like, th- that's what made it so graphic to me because it's like, you know, I don't know. Just the thought of them. They've both been out in the woods. Who knows how long since they've showered. They're probably oh, drunk, drunk, stinking, spitting, yeah. pissing smells, everywhere. That's probably smelled horrible in that tent. Yeah, it probably smells awful. And then he spits on his... Oh, God. I can't even... I mean, my mother might listen to this at some point. I don't... <laughs> I can't even... <laughs> Let's just say it's graphic, and and it doesn't get worse than this. If you're bothered by this, it doesn't get worse by this. It didn't bother me, actually. I, I found yeah. this part of the movie the most interesting of, of the whole movie, because it got kind of boring after this. Yeah, it doesn't bother me a, a bit, but it's like... The, the interesting thing is the, the way that they play it, too, because the kisses start out very aggressive and they're like angry kisses. And then and then uh, Ennis just whips Jack over and plant, face plants him in the tent pillow and starts going and spits on his hand and starts getting ready to go to town on him. And I'm just like, oh, I found it interesting hey. that there's no fumbling in terms of the roles that they played. They both knew exactly who was going to play what role once things got started. It was never like, Oh, let's do this. Let's do that. It was like, all right, I'm flipping you. You want to be flipped. This is how yeah. it's going to go. Now Jack was ready. Jack was ready for Ennis. Yeah, he was. And, and he got him. So the next day they wake up uh, next to each other. And it's, is clearly feeling pretty weird. Uh, so he goes off on his horse and he finds a dead sheep. So, not only did they neglect their duties, but they are now paying the price for it because one of their sheep was killed by a wolf. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and they don't – it's important to mention that they don't talk to each other before this, really. It's just sort of uh, – Ennis is getting his rifle ready and packing it all up, and Jack kind of want, wants to walk out with a penny-for-your-thoughts look on his face. And uh, – and Ennis is just kind of like, oh, no, I'm going to get on this horse and ride off. Or... Yeah, Ennis isn't having it. And Jack yeah. strangely goes down to the river naked and just chills there. Not really sure what he was doing down there. And that was kind of weird. He's washing his clothes. Was he? Yeah. All right. Well, but, that, makes, that yeah, makes sense. I guess he only brought one pair because he had to wash them butt naked next to the river. So I don't know. Yeah. Well, uh, they, they do talk about it later on that evening. And uh, I'm going to say a slur here because it's in the movie, but he, it's, it's, a good, it's a good line and it encompasses a lot of what this movie's about, I think, is when Anna says, I ain't queer. And, and Jack says, me either. Even though they literally just had sex with each other the night before. Yeah. So it's like, call it what you want. But you know, the fact they're both denying <clears throat> is kind of, kind of weird, but also makes perfect sense. Well, I believe Ennis. I believe him. I don't think he's... I don't think he's queer. I don't think he's gay. So 
I don't believe Jack because Jack has a few encounters where we question where he tries to go on later on. But now Ennis is this sort of straight man with a bottled up, the bottled up feelings. And I don't think he, he is gay. I think he just was taken by the moment. And I guess he really uh, likes, I guess he really likes this guy. Yeah. I, I disagree completely. I think he continues to be gay for the, the rest of the summer with him. So it wasn't just yeah. a one-time heat of the moment thing. He's stone cold sober and, and they continue yeah, yeah. to kiss and hug and, and do things. So, well, he's bi curious. Uh, Jake is uh, Jack is gay. Well, I want to defend wrestling here for a minute because they use wrestling to to get into their mood, their their romantic feelings a lot. And I'm tired of people always dissing on wrestling and calling it, uh, saying that oh, you have to be gay to like wrestling. And wrestlers are all gay, and then it's not like that, you know. Yeah, wow. these guys wrestled and become gay, but like there's something erotic about wrangling around with another man on the mat though. Well, these two <laughs> <laughs> whatever. Listen, <laughs> you you're you're a homophobe, aren't you? Just uh, say don't it. Stop Just say that. <laughs> don't stop that again. Now don't stop that again. You need your homophobia spoon fed to you. No, I just said my favorite part of the movie was when, when they banged, so it was. <laughs> I just don't want anyone dissing on wrestling all the time, man. Uh, yeah. Well, I don't know how you got to that from there. Okay, I get it. Like, yeah, yeah. But uh, you think about back in the old uh, ancient Greek days, they used to wrestle naked. Spartans would wrestle naked with each other, and they were encouraged to sleep with their soldier mates. Like, this is not a new thing, you know. This is not. Uh, this is not just. Uh, WWE wrestlers or whatever, or you know, high school state wrestlers with uh, homoeroticism. This is this is something that's been happening for all of humanity, and and uh, it's a taboo subject, and and they're tackling it literally and figuratively. Yeah, they tackle it all right. So these two start wrestling, and it's romantic wrestling when they're wrestling. They're they start out yeah. getting kind of rough, but then they're hugging and. and not really kissing, but getting awfully close. And while they're doing yeah. this, their boss, Aguirre or Aguare, is yeah. sp- spying on them from the hillside with binoculars. So when he's looking at them, they're not, they're not actually doing anything too out of line. It, it could be interpreted any way, but yeah, I, they're, I think they're a little knows what's up. Aguirre notices they're a little too close for comfort. <clears throat> they're playing grab ass, literally. So once he catches them, he, he scrolls on down there with, on his horse. I didn't understand the point of this scene. He tells Jack that one of his family members is dying. And Jack says, oh, well, that's too bad. Nothing I can do about it. And they, they don't really go anywhere with it after that unless I missed it. Like, what's the point now, of this? Yeah, no, it's just, it's just meant to be a, a, the guy takes a little bit of notice of it, but nothing ever happens after that. So That was strange. But, yeah, I think he was just going down to maybe – check on them or try to catch them doing something and and he didn't not not this time well, well he did it a little bit though you know yeah he, may, he maybe didn't notice he didn't notice what they were doing uh to the full effect of what they were doing but uh he, he caught him he caught him uh caught him play a little grab ass down there yeah they were playing some some grab ass but on the last day of summer or, or nearing the end of the last uh of the nearing the end of the summer 
They start wrestling again, these two men, Jack and Ennis. And this time, it turns into an all-out brawl. Uh, Jet, so the fighting, there's several fighting scenes in this. This is weird. Like, sometimes uh, Ennis is a total badass and, and crushes everybody. But in this mm-hmm. case, Jack wins the fight against him. And then Ennis, of course, takes a cheap shot at the end, uh, punches mm-hmm. him in the face. But these guys are full-on fighting right now. It's not, it's not a joke. They're trying to hurt each other. Yeah, it, it like starts, as a, starts as a joke, and then it ends as a fight. Which I don't know if you've – like, have we done that before? We probably have done that at some point, like in middle school or something. You know, where it's just like you're kind of you're kind of messing with each other and then it goes a step too far and one person gets pissed off and the other gets pissed off. I don't think we ever actually physically did anything, but, you know, I, I don't recall anything. The one time I did shove you down in the crack in your between your bed and the wall and you got kind of pissed, <laughs> I think. <laughs> well, that's a cheap move, man. Yeah, well, I think uh, your your cousin or one of your friends uh, had told you to get get in the crevice and say, like, you you got to got in a crevice and I like jumped on you or something maybe. Oh yeah, Mansell. I remember Mansell was like a bully. <laughs> yeah. Well, these guys were they were really trying to hurt each other though. They're they're brawling, they fight, and that's their last night there. So they have a very awkward goodbye um, before they separate for the for the rest of the year. Jack mentions to Ennis, hey, if you want to come work again next summer, I'll probably be here too. So. He's hoping that they can reunite at some point down the road. Uh, so Jack drives off, and once he drives off, Ennis has a complete meltdown. He he mm-hmm. walks into the alley, and he gets on one knee once Jack's yeah. out of sight, and he starts crying. This was an interesting scene. Yeah, what? why was he crying? Does, is he crying because he misses Jack? <clears throat> he's going to miss Jack, or he's upset at himself for his actions? I think it was more of him feeling like he betrayed and he did something really dirty and wrong. So I think he feels like he's got these mixed confused feelings because he had such a good time and enjoyed it. And he's not supposed to, you know, because he talks earlier about his dad or maybe earlier or later about his dad taking him, taking him and his brother down to show them a, a gay guy that got beat up and killed in a, in a yeah, alleyway yeah, or not, that, that's like a, a little bit ditch. later. That's a little later, yeah. So he, so he's got some confused feelings about what he just did, I think. And he starts punching the wall, and somebody walks by, and he's like, "What the fuck are you looking at? What the fuck are you looking at?" And yeah, he gets all loudest pissed. he gets. Yeah, and he gets all pissed off and stuff. And it's 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 one of the better scenes I thought because I I think it really shows his confused emotions. Well, he's probably also a bit upset with himself because we haven't mentioned yet, but he has a fiance and that is the character played by Michelle Williams. Her name is Alma. What a great name. Alma. Yeah. Ennis and Alma. It sounds like a typical, like, like if we showed up to a house in Wyoming now, it might be the grandmother and grandmother might be named Ennis and Alma. Yeah, probably. But he gets married to Alma and they end up having kids together. They have, they have two girls and it's uh it seems like he's trying to live the traditional family life. Yeah. And he's having trouble because he can't make any money and uh, they're having more kids and he's definitely just working slum jobs and not, not making much money. Jack for his part. Well, hold on before we get to Jack, I got to get to this scene. So (laughs) Ennis and his wife go to this 4th of July celebration and they're with their kids and these two roughneck biker guys are 
talking shit. They're loudly cursing. So Ennis says, hey, you guys want to watch the language? I got two girls here. And so they challenge him to a fight. Ennis goes over and he shoves one guy down and then inexplicably does a roundhouse kick. (laughs) He does this karate karate kick with these tight-ass cowboy jeans on. What the hell is this? Why would he possibly go for that kick? Yeah, I don't know. That was a really strange thing to me because I was like, he just pulled some kung fu kick out on this dude, and he doesn't look like the type of guy that's a kung fu fighter. I don't know what's going on here. That kick is going to work zero times out of 100 if that guy does it. It's never going to work. It's, <laughs> it was like it's a like, kick or something. Also, yeah, also that guy would never do it. <laughs> like, never do it. The jeans yeah. being so tight, they would have ripped. He lifts his leg up above his head for this kick. Yeah, maybe like a punt. Like you could punt somebody in the face or kick them in the nuts or something like that. But he does like a spinning back heel kick to this guy or something yeah it's like a bruce lee kick yeah it's just ludicrous i was like uh that must have been ang lee or something telling him (laughs) yeah do this every other fight that he's in in this movie it's just you know wrestling punching brawling a little bit but for some reason in this moment he does kung fu it's very yeah and what was the point of this I don't know. I guess to show that he was a badass, but he also loses several fights later, so I really didn't get it. Well, I guess maybe to, then maybe to show that he's quick to to fight or quick to emotionally outburst or something. I don't know. I'm not sure. And, and for Jack's part, uh, they show what Jack's doing, and he goes to try to work for Aguirre next summer as well. I'm, I know I'm mispronouncing Aguar. I don't. I don't care. It's either Aguar or Aguare or whatever. It's the boss. It's Ag. It's got to be Aguar. Aguare sounds too too French or something. All right. So Aguar. He he goes to work for him the next summer, and here's an interesting phrase that Aguar says. He says, "No, I I know you boys. I hired you boys to work up there last summer, and you were up there instead stemming the rose. What is stemming the rose?" I mean, I can, I can, impl- yeah. you know, I can get an implication of what it is, but I've never heard that. I have no clue what that means. Yeah, I, I'm assuming it was like masturbating at best, but it's something sexual. Stemming the rose. Stemming the. I'm gonna do a real quick search. Go on. All right. So also, he's <laughs> your keyboard's so loud. <laughs> <laughs> he's also rejected at the bar by a, a fellow rodeo cowboy that he's hitting on this guy and the guy's like no nah, man i'm not gonna let you buy me a drink it seemed like the guy was also interested in being gay but he rejected jack so i didn't really get that scene either oh wow so stemming the rose sorry i'm okay in this crowd means planting your stem pet penis in someone's rosebud anus oh okay. <laughs> so <laughs> had right. i know had I known the the, or the Urban Dictionary meaning of that, I think that uh, I would have opened my eyes to how much uh, Joe Aguirre knows about what's going on out there. All right. So they were stemming the rose, but Jack was not the one stemming. He was actually the rose. Yeah, he was the rose. But Joe, Joe knew it. Joe could Joe picked it up. <laughs> oh, that's really funny. I did. I did. I mean, I guess I kind of knew that's what it meant, but I didn't fully. Yeah, me either. That's interesting. But, but the thing with, with Jack trying to pick up that guy in the bar, what did you think about that? Because it seemed like the guy was interested in Jack, but then he rejected him anyway. Yeah, I think, uh, I think it's just more that macho cowboy uh, heter- uh, um, homoerotic sort of thing that goes on where it's like 
anytime you think a, a man's getting close to you or something like that, you got to shut it down. You can't let it happen because it's uh, against God and it's against uh, the way of life that these people live. So, so it's strongly discouraged in this, in this atmosphere that we're in. And I think that's the idea that we're supposed to get is that uh, these, these guys can't be who they are in this life. There's no possible way for them to do that without risking their entire livelihood and safety. Well, Jack seems to want to do it, to, to be out in the open, whereas Ennis deeply does not want to be out, I don't think. Well, yeah, I don't know if Jack wants to be out in the open, but he wants to definitely – he definitely wants to do it, and he definitely wants to uh, live like that and just kind of live as a, as, a, as a couple, as a secret couple, I guess, you know. Like, he wants to go move out – and start a ranching business with Enos and by themselves, they would live together and, and just fuck all the time. And oh, I guess live on a ranch. Well, he, he does seem to love Ennis, uh, yeah. but he also is not against having other random hookups as we see later on. Yeah, definitely not. One thing I did want to note about this movie that I, I did found very intriguing is Ennis at one point says, to Jack, do you ever feel like everyone knows and and we're being looked at funny when we're out in public? And if you pay attention to everyone else in the movie, it does seem kind of like yeah. everyone else knows, but you don't explicitly know that. I think I wrote that down on my notes. It's like, why are all these cowboys side-eye glancing at each other like everyone knows? It, I, I guess that's the feeling that you're trying to give us, but there's no reason for them to know or think of it, you know? Unless Aguirre spread the word or they've been caught. I mean, they, they do get caught, you know, a couple other times. So, I don't know. They, they don't come out and say, hey, everyone knows you're gay. As far no, as we know, yeah. the movie ends with them both still closeted. Yeah, I think for the most part, it's just kind of like this idea. of the They're trying to spread the idea to, of us from the character's point of view of people know my dirty secret. Yeah, I kind of like that aspect of the film because it, it was it was left up in the air, and I'm, I'm always a fan of that in movies. Uh, yeah, it layers it, layers it on. But to further Jack's off season here, uh, he doesn't get hired by Aguirre, and so he continues to work in the rodeo. He has a very impressive showing in the rodeo as a as a cowboy, and he gets the attention of the rich daughter of a what was it a like a farm farm equipment wholesaler sales yeah yeah wholesaler for for large farm equipment tractors and stuff and so this is ann hathaway's character she immediately seduces him she's rich yeah how how lucky is he just she walks up at the bar and is just basically and this happens a few times in the movie this happens to both of them where women just walk up at the bar and are like well are you gonna bang me or what yeah uh, is that if you're a handsome cowboy do the women just chase you all over the place or what that's what I found myself wondering. I'm like, do I need to start going to more cowboy bars? Is this where women are more aggressive and they just walk right up and give themselves to you? Well, Jack gives himself over to her and they have sex in, in her car and she gets pregnant immediately. And I wrote down here, did I miss a scene? Because then in the very next scene or maybe a scene after that, they're married and she's pregnant and they have a baby. Yeah, no, it skips. It goes, jumps way forward in time. So they he married this rich... Uh, you know, farm equipment daughter, and and now they have a kid together. But hey, 
Are those really Anne Hathaway's tits, or do you think those are stunt tits? I also wondered that. I don't know. I would say stunt tits because I don't think she's got topless in any other movie, but I haven't seen a lot of her movies. But we can see her face at the same time, so I feel like it might be actually her. Uh, maybe. Yeah, she she does. She gets topless, and she, she bangs him in the car, and so they have yeah. a kid together. But Jack is still thinking about Ennis, and he sends him a postcard. And then this, once Ennis receives this postcard, he's so excited to uh, go see Jack or, or to meet Jack. His wife immediately notices a change in his behavior. There's a little extra pep in his step, and he agrees to meet Jack. So he invites Jack to his house, and they're, he's going to pick him up, I guess, and they're going to go fishing. Mm-hmm. So here is a pivotal scene in the movie, and very, for me, unbelievable so Jack, he's wait, He's looking out the window, and it says, waiting for Jack to arrive. Jack gets there in the car. He runs out and greets him with this huge hug. His wife is right there in the doorway, and then he, he pulls Jack into what he thinks is an alley in his, in his own home, right? So he should, yeah. he should know his own terrain. Right and, out in front of his own house, yeah. Right out in front of his own house and starts aggressively making out with him. And his wife, his poor wife, opens the door to meet his his friend that she's never met before and sees him making out with this guy it's a bit sloppy i mean that's that was my thing was just like can't these guys do a little bit better job of hiding like come on Uh, it's it you just and you haven't seen each other for a while the meeting should be more awkward i feel like but no and particularly for ennis's part really is ennis must really be ready to break out and get out of his life because he just he initiates with Jack, which is not the usual. Usually it's Jack sort of initiating all the, all the stuff. But in this case, it's definitely Enos, and he's initiating the makeout and slams him up against the wall and, like, yeah, aggressively makes out with him, like you said. And I also thought the most unbelievable part of this is the wife somehow says nothing. So, so they come into the house after making out. She sees them. She's crying. Ennis doesn't seem to notice that she's crying or care, and she says nothing. I guarantee you any wife is going to say something here about what she just said. Well, she's probably pretty taken aback. She doesn't know what exactly to think, and it's just rocked her to her core. So I don't agree that anybody would say anything, but I think at at some point she would mention it, which she kind of does later down the line, but this much later. She does years later. So she she goes years without saying yeah. anything to Ennis but about this. You're, you're miss you're uh, you're underestimating the repression that these people live in. Like these are people. These are religiously repressed people. That this any type of this activity is completely wrong. And while I agree that like infidelity, you know, with a partner is not right. I don't agree that homosexuality is wrong. So it's like. The, but these people believe that to be homosexual is to be essentially against God, and God wants you now dead, or at least not allowed into heaven. Well, I, I agree with all that. I just found it hard that she, hard to believe that she wouldn't have said anything then, and even harder to believe that she'll go years yeah. without without mentioning it, what she just I saw. Think she, I think she's mortified. She's just absolutely mortified by by the whole situation and doesn't know what to do about it. Yeah, well, I feel really sorry for her character. I mean, she she doesn't deserve that. She's being cheated on and humiliated right in front of her face, and she has kids yeah. with this guy. It's 
that's what that's one of my problems. It's hard for this movie to be romantic when by these two guys being together, they're doing harm to so many other people. It's fine to, to be in this relationship, but don't drag in yeah. a wife and children and then be like, oh, by the way, you know. It's- yeah, well, it's it's fine now. But in 1963, among cowboys in Wyoming and Texas, it's definitely not fine. And even today, among cowboys in Wyoming and Texas, it's still probably frowned upon. But I think that's more the idea that they're conveying is that these two guys can't be themselves. There's no way for them to do it without tr- trouble pursuing them but i also agree you're right like hurting other people like they should have just split up with their wives and lived out on the ranch like jack wanted to do probably yeah they don't have to legally get married if that's a problem just both work on the same ranch and and live that life that they want to live without without harming these families no it's not like they were pioneering butt fucking the two guys have been you know this has been going on since the beginning of time yeah so there's ways to hide it even when the society represses it yeah, well, I just wrote down poor Alma because I felt sorry for her here and the kids. Yeah, uh, but the boys leave to go fishing, as they say. Uh, but they actually go up you know, first. They go to a hotel room and bang, and then they uh, they go fishing for a few days, and, and they continue to bang uh, on Brokeback Mountain. I guess actually, are they on Brokeback Mountain for this part, or, or are they just hanging out in the woods somewhere? Yeah, I think they got. He mentions that they got like a <clears throat> cabin somewhere. All right, so they're out in the woods. They're they're having a nice little uh, vacation with each other, and here is where Ennis tells the gruesome story of his dad taking him to see this body. So what happened when he was a kid was this man came out as gay, or these these two farm hands were were gay with one another, and one of the farm hands got killed, beaten, and then he got dragged by his penis until his his dick came off on the ropes a very yeah. gruesome and graphic story luckily they didn't show any of this but it was still brutal well they, showed, they did show him looking at it when he was a kid and you kind of see the, cor- the corpse down there mangled and whatnot but you know it's not real graphic but he also mentions he's like hell for all i know my old man was the one that did it yeah. so like it just reinforces the idea of how uh that where ennis comes from from and the the thoughts that have been pounded in his head for his whole life yeah the stakes are much higher for ennis if he comes out he could be risking his life well i guess they both could but ennis really feels the weight of that yeah yeah ennis is ennis is conditioned a little bit more to to fight it and i think jack is is probably understands that conditioning but it's much stronger in him the urge to to do it so i don't know well they uh jack Jack shows that he wants uh, – here's where he reveals that, that he wants to live on a ranch with Ennis, and the two of them could just live together and work together, and, and it would be just like that first summer they were together. So Jack is all about it, being in love with Ennis. But they eventually go back home. Uh, Alma still doesn't say anything, but she does start standing up to Ennis in a way. I think it's implied here that she's cheating on him now with her boss. At the grocery mm-hmm. store, did you pick up on that as well? Nah, I didn't notice that so much. But... Well, there there was an earlier scene where um, Ennis drops the kids off mid shift mm-hmm. for her while she's working yeah. at the supermarket. She spills a bunch of shit, and then the boss comes over and says it's okay, and they make uh, long eye contact. And then later on, oh, okay. she ends up marrying this boss whenever she divorces Ennis later on. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So she says when she's storming out of the house and she says, you take care of the girls, you feed them. It's I got to pick up this extra shift. So she's getting called in to work for extra shift. So I put all that together as she's now having an affair with her boss. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I knew that they like uh, hooked. Yeah, I guess that makes a lot of sense there. I guess the, I didn't notice the extra shifts part, but yeah. So maybe that's how she's coping with knowing that her husband is having a, a fair affair with this guy Jack. Is she's now yeah. having an affair herself? And it makes sense. It, it makes sense because you know, and also Annis is not relying, not reliable for money and all that stuff, and their life is not great. I don't think, and she wants to live in the city and do move or move into town and do stuff. And he's a horrible father, just, by the way. I want to. I yeah, point he's. He's not a very good father at all. I don't. I don't believe he can't console the kids. He he can't provide any kind of um, money for them to live off of. He he won't accommodate where her living, um, you know, what, where she wants to live. But he he's mm-hmm. making her wash the dishes and take care of the screaming kids and cook, and he's just not doing anything. So yeah, he's he's not good at all. I didn't think. Yep, he's just getting drunk and going quote unquote fishing with his friend Jack. He does have sex somewhat frequently with Alma, and one of these encounters that he does have sex with her, she asks him to to wear a condom because she doesn't think they can afford any more kids, and uh, yeah. and Jack says, "Well, if you won't have my babies, then I'll just leave you be." And the next scene is them getting divorced. So I guess that yeah, that's she, the final straw. She says something to the effect of, "I'd have them if you could afford them." Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he's not providing for the ones he has, so she's kind of right here. He needs to be wearing protection. They can't afford yeah. another kid, but it leads to a divorce. Yeah. And so Alma gets custody of the kids. So here's a scene now that, that Ennis is divorced. He gets custody of the kids for a weekend, and he drives up. I didn't get this. He drives up to see Jack, and Jack is very upset with Ennis for having his daughters with him. Is, is that what was happening? He he was mad at him for for bringing up his kids. Like, what's he want him to do? He's got his kids for the weekend. Uh, yeah, I, that that to me was like, come on, it's not his fault. Yeah, I mean, he's super mad at him. He's like, oh, I can't believe you do this to me. How could you do this to me? And it's like, dude, yeah, he, I got the girls. He's like, want? all right, well, I guess I'll just see you next month. Then, like, he's he's really pressuring him at this point because he he comes and he's like, I heard you got divorced or whatever and he's all happy when he says it so it's uh it's pretty obvious that he wants to to live with enos and and be his mate i guess permanently yeah well jack responds by crying once ennis leaves and then he goes and gets a prostitute in a dark alley he uh i kind of like that scene it just it doesn't show anything except for him walking up to this blatantly obvious male prostitute and then they just walk into the dark yeah. dark part of the alley yeah and he's drunk as hell and it's in mexico too he drives all the way to mexico after this yeah i i, I kind of like that that little shot but now we yeah. get uh more scenes of them in their domestic life even though he's divorced and this now has to eat thanksgiving dinner with uh, his ex-wife and her new husband which was her old manager and his two daughters that are now pretty grown up and this is when Alma finally, after years, mentions to Jack how she knows that what he was doing on these fishing trips. And this is heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. She, le- she said that she left him a note in his fishing rod saying, 
hey, catch us some fish and bring us home some fish because, you know, me and the girls love it. And then when he got home, yeah. the fishing rods were never opened and never used. And yeah. so she knows he wasn't fishing. And that's when I love this line, though. She says, you were up there with J- Jack Twist, or should I call him Jack Nasty? <laughs> Jack Nasty. <laughs> Jack Nasty. I wish my name was Jack Nasty. That sounds badass. Yeah, what a great na- uh, What a great name. I'm gonna. St- I'm gonna. If I ever ever have a wrestling name, it's gonna be Jack Nasty. So I guess this is the first time that Ennis has been called out for for his closeted homosexuality, and he can't handle it at all. He storms out of the house. He doesn't speak to anybody. He, he runs away from yeah. his problem. He, he threatens to beat the hell out of her too, and he says, "I'll I'll shove your I'll make you eat the floor or something like that." And instead, he goes out and picks a fight with some random guy that like cuts him off in traffic or something, and promptly gets his ass kicked. Yeah. So he can karate kick two badass bikers into oblivion, but he. Well, yeah, he should have whipped out the karate kick. Yeah, he definitely didn't do the karate kick. He gets his ass kicked. He forgot all his jujitsu while he was out there. And for uh, Jack's Thanksgiving dinner, he—it's now. I'm—I'm I'm assuming we're in the 70s or 80s. The father-in-law, the one who's worth all the money in in Anne Hathaway's oh. family, he's a total prick. But they're having this thing. Oh my god! This Thanksgiving scene, the son, his young son, wants to watch football and. And Jack turns off the TV and says, "No, you can't watch football until you're done with your dinner." Then he gets. Well, and his mom, his mom tells him he can't. She's like, "No, well, you'll watch, you can watch football after the game once you finish your dinner." And he's like, "You heard your mom." And then he goes over and turns it off. And then, yeah, and and that's when the he and the dad go back and forth, turning on and off the TV. And Jack, to his credit, stands up to this bully of a father-in-law. He tells him, this is my house. Now sit down and shut the fuck up or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, the, the, the dad walks over there and turns, turns the TV on after he's turned the TV off in his own house and says, ah, oh, boys should watch football and yada and whatever. <laughs> yada, yada, yada. Boys should watch football and yada, yada, yada. And, and then Jack is, gets all pissed off, with rightfully so. He's definitely not in the wrong. He stands up, turns the TV off, and insults him. He says, "You're a guest in my house, and yada yada. We'll 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 eat this food, not, and, and then I'll cut cut the turkey." Says the dad was trying to cut the turkey too, which is another emasculating thing he was trying to do to him. So, I, he said, "Jack stood up for himself." This is my favorite scene for Jack and Jake Gyllenhaal in general. Yeah, he he stands up to him, so I I kind of did like that. Though I'm not a fan of the mustache and sideburns look that he's rocking in this scene. <laughs> It actually kind of matches his character, though. It's definitely definitely a, a porn stash from gay seventies porn. <laughs> oh yeah, I guess so. But they uh, so they both have their their Thanksgiving issues, and now they both have some issues on the dance floor. Um, Jack <clears throat> Jack and his wife go on a double date with uh, another married couple, and as they're outside, it's heavily implied that this other married husband knows Jack is gay and wants to be gay with him. And this is David Harbour's character that I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's like, hey, I, I know this place up in the woods. We can go up there, go fishing. You picked up on this vibe too, right? It, it, it wasn't just yeah. fishing. It, he wanted to bang him. Yeah, that's what it kind of felt like. Yeah, it was. they were leading us into that. Yeah, and so I'm not sure, again, I'm not sure what the point of this was exactly, except for maybe to further that concept that, everyone seems to know 
Yeah, and just just I guess reinforce the idea that it's not as uncommon as we might think. Like there are other people that are living like this too. Yeah, that that could be as well. But I, I kind of like the scene because it's it was surprising. I was more expecting mm-hmm. something like the other husband to to fight Jack or to beat him up or to be standoffish with him. I didn't think he was gonna yeah. hit on him, but he did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and for Ennis's part, he starts getting paranoid about everyone that, that might know. And I think it's here when he, he says the line to Jack, do you ever feel like everyone else knows? And he gets mm-hmm. uh, re-involved with a new girl, a new girlfriend. And this is Linda Cardinelli's character or Candelini or whatever it is. It, that, Car- Cardellini. 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 Well, this is her character. Yeah. And uh, she, she clearly is interested in Ennis and, and being a wife slash, you know, girlfriend to him. And Ennis is very standoffish. I'm assuming they had a romantic relationship, but I don't think it ever shows any of that. Does it? Not really. But once again, he's like alone sitting at the bar, minding his own business. And she just completely comes and sweeps him off his feet. And I'm just like, Ugh, where are all these women at? Yeah. And they're at a, uh, like a square dance place. And, and she drags him out on the dance floor, and so that's his dancing scene. And he's a pretty good dancer, I'll say. They they have a nice little uh, two step going on. Yeah, not bad, not bad. Uh, Ennis's daughter is now pretty much all grown up. It looks like she's a, a teenager, and she's acting mm-hmm. very weird toward him. And again, they don't say that she knows that he's gay, but I've thought that she did. She she later says that she wants to live with him because she's not enjoying living with. Alma and, and the new dad, but I also kind of got the vibe that she knew what was up with her dad. I didn't pick up on that. I just got the vibe that she was sort of neglected by him and she wanted to be out of her other spot and he didn't really seem super open to, to that. Well, well, furthering my thought was the character, the girlfriend character speaks to the daughter and says, do you think your dad will ever remarry? And do you think he'll remarry me? And the daughter's like, I don't know. So it makes it seem like maybe she thought that. But but again, they don't say it. Uh, they don't explicitly say. So it's hard to say. Yeah, it's just sort of implied, I guess. So we're getting pretty close to the end here. All this time, it's uh, it's it's spanning over years and years. And these guys are getting together every, what, three, four years, is it? Three, yeah. Or even like for, it seems like, Maybe they have a real regular once a year monthly type of thing they meet up or, but uh, for the most part, it's pretty sporadic throughout the years, but that's for 20 years. And the movie kind of started losing me here, which is not good because this is, you know, this is the climax. This should be the climax. It's supposed to be the climax of the movie, but it it was kind of losing me here. So I, I mean, I'm not sure what the point of a lot of these scenes were. I almost feel like they were trying to get across, a concept rather than a story. Mm-hmm. But I, I can't say for sure. Yeah, I think that's, that is a kind of theme with this movie is that there's a social commentary going on much more than there is a love story for us. But what's so, the commentary? On, what are they saying? What, what are they trying to say? It's, it's all about the repression. It's about the, the repression of these two, that these two people cannot live openly in their worlds because of a, the people around them won't let them and B because for Ennis, at least his own thought construct, his own paradigm won't let him live in his lifestyle because it makes him feel so guilty. And so, so 
it makes it feel so wrong for him, sort of. I guess if it was set a little bit earlier, I would I would fully agree. But I don't feel like they were being repressed by society a whole lot in this movie. They were repressing themselves, but I think they probably could have done what Jack said and you know gone and worked together on a ranch and lived together happily with no societal problems. Yeah, if they did, if they were discreet about it though, but we are going to come to find out that Jack uh, can't do that, you know, because of what happens to him. All right, well we'll get into that uh coming up here real soon. So, I feel like this scene is the climax of the of the movie. If not, it definitely has the one line that everyone remembers in it. And that's when the two the two guys meet again at Brokeback Mountain. It's just the two of them. They're right by this lake or river. And they argue over something that's, to me, unclear. I'm not sure what they're arguing about. Well, it's uh, to, to me, it was that one more time where, where Jack brings up the idea of let's be together. Let's go do something together. Fuck everybody else. And Enos just can't do it. He can't bring himself to do that. So it, that's what the fight is ultimately about. But they're saying other things and they're mad at each other for other reasons. Yeah, they, sort of. they do a really good job with the fight hug thing. They're fighting each other, but also hugging each other. It kind of reminds me, yeah. like, now that uh, my son Liam is growing up a little bit and I want to give him a hug and he's like 10, he's like, you know, wrestling himself away from me. That's kind of what he's, it's like with these two guys. They're like, no, come here. I'm going to hug you. And that's just the bottom line, you know? Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. Yeah. He's like squeezing him. He's like, no, you're not going anywhere. And then, you know, finally, uh, Ennis gives in. He's like, all right, fine. I'll hug you. But I wrote down yep. apparently the gist of, of this <laughs> argument is Jack needs the D a little bit more often. He says, <laughs> he says, how do you expect me to live with only uh, once every three, four years or something like that? So I guess he just yeah. needs, he needs more Ennis in his life and ass yeah and ass ass i went yeah. over the edge all right I, i'm the first to crack there, there you did it there you did it but yeah he no he uh he needs more ennis in his life and uh and that's the the point of the conversation and it comes to the point where he he says they something and, and it comes out that that jack went down to mexico and Ennis gets all like super jealous and is like, if you ever, if I ever find out, he's like, I know what you're telling me, but if I ever come to find out the truth of what you're saying, uh, it'll be the end of you and I'll kill you or something like that. Yeah, you- <laughs> I'll kill you or kill the other people or whatever. And it's like, he's super jealous, but super manly at the same time. And so that's when Jack tells him, well, how do you expect me to live off of this only once every other year or whatever, however long it is? And yeah, it becomes a, it becomes a one more push and pull because Jack is always trying to get Ennis in to, to, to do more, to be more in with him. And, uh, and Ennis is not having it. And this is where Jack, it was, I forgot who said the line. So it was fun for me to guess who was going to say it. I actually guessed that it would be Ennis, but Jack says the iconic line. I wish I could quit you. Yeah. (laughs) So he uh, can't, he can't quit him. And also, interestingly to me, is there's a bit of a class warfare now in the picture for these two because Jack not only is now completely filthy rich due to his, his marital status, 
but he he's given up rodeo uh cowboying and he's become like a salesman so he's 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 a corporate yeah cowboy he, now. He, he married into money yeah and on the flip side ennis is struggling with money and child support ever since his divorce so he's he's struggled with money his whole life so that seems to yeah. be a bit of a divide between the two of them as well yep so there's yeah because he he says at one point Anna says to jack at one point well you forget what it's like to be broken because that's his excuse for he can't come as he has to do something else or work somewhere i can't remember what it was but uh he's got to work some ranch almost all the time he's got to go work in some ranch yeah. it's not enough for jack though no so we uh, we head back to town and and Ennis breaks it off with his new girlfriend. Or I guess she kind of breaks it off with him, and she's tearful as she's wondering, you know, what's so bad about me? Why didn't this work? And of course, Jack can't tell her why it, it doesn't work. It's because he's in love with Jack. Yeah. Uh, so it's not like a huge scene, but it's a scene. I guess maybe it was a huge scene, but it didn't carry a lot of weight with me. No, yeah, I didn't feel so feel either. It was just like this was an underdeveloped relationship, and now it's over. Great. And so now we get a, a postcard returned to Ennis, and the return address now says deceased. So he had sent one of his uh, famous postcards to Jack, trying to meet up with him, and he finds out that Jack is dead. So he he makes a call to Jack's house. Now you just said a little bit ago that he was murdered in a hate crime. And that's what I thought uh, at first as well. But then I read all. Wait, the- I didn't say that. I didn't say that. Well, you didn't come out and say it, but you heavily implied that, that he's murdered. Yeah, yeah, okay. He's murdered in, I didn't a, in a hate crime. Yeah. Good job not spoiling what you thought, but I still picked up on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, he calls Jack's I, for- I foreshadowed. You foreshadowed what happens, but does it really yeah, happen? That- well, yeah. What do you think happens? Well, the wife said he. You think you think he really dies from a, a change in attire? All right. So here's <laughs> this is this is a little theory here, or maybe it's not a theory, but his mm-hmm. he calls the wife Anne Hathaway. She says Jack got a flat tire, went to change it. The tire blew up in his face and killed him, which is a thing that's happened. It, it is possible you can you can die from a tire exploding in your face, so it's not completely out of the realm of possibility. No. In the movie, we see Ennis imagining Jack being brutally beaten by a group of uh, assumed. No, you're implying that he's imagining that. All right, we don't know. If he's, we don't know if he's imagining that or if that's actually how he's dying. Well, uh, the only reason I'm saying that is because I did a little research after the fact, and okay. the, the the plot description on the movie's page says that Ennis imagines this beating as being like the one he witnessed or, or was privy to when he was young. Not that that actually happened and nowhere in the script or in the movie. Do we, do we see that happen? It's just in, when Jack's hearing the news. Well, yeah, we see it happen in there. We don't know that that's coming from uh, Enos's imagination. So you, why well, are you saying that we the wife is covering this up? Why would the wife do oh, this? Yeah, look at her face the whole time. She's covering up the whole thing. She's she's seems totally sketch, and she's like saying the stuff and and she's like, oh yeah, he mentioned that you like to go on fishing trips, and that was his favorite thing to do. Like the whole time though, there's this whole undercurrent of she knows kind of what's going on or what happened. Yeah, like I think I think he definitely it it, it happens because. 
we see a snapshot of him getting beat to death by a tire iron and a group of guys in like an alley. There's, there's nothing that implies that, that Heath Ledger's character is imagining that. Well, it's implied whenever he's hearing the news and then it zooms in on his face and eyes and then it goes to that shot of Jack getting beaten. I'm not saying no, it's just on the phone. I'm not saying that that's not what happened because that's what I wrote down. I thought Jack was brutally murdered in a hate crime and the wife is covering it up. Which logically also makes sense with the story and the message they've been sending us. It does. It makes it makes perfect sense. <laughs> like, does it make sense that he dies by changing his own tire out on the side of the road? That doesn't really make sense with the story, does it? No, but it makes sense for Jack to or for Ennis to imagine that. That would make that would make sense that he imagines that or the fate the fate that he imagined. But that's uh, that's adding our own stuff into it i feel like that's not taking what they gave us well no my own stuff was what you wrote down i wrote down the same thing you did he was he was murdered okay. murdered in a hate crime and and the wife covers it up but uh, after i looked <laughs> that, into it a little was, bit i could see both sides yeah that's a crazy conspiracy theory i'm glad that you said that's not your idea because you almost lost the podcast to that right there i, I we might both be wrong <laughs> it might have all been in his head yeah, been. There's no evidence either way. And that's it's another great broke back mystery. Was Jack actually murdered in a hate crime or did a tire blow up in his face? Yeah, I don't think it's a mystery. I think we see it happen. Like, I think we see it. We see how he actually dies. And then we see the wife covering it up because, you know, the repression of that society. Well, it looks like I'm going back to Brokeback Mountain for more research after this podcast because because now I want to know, and I'm not choosing a side. I just I, well, now I want to know. You have, you have some conspiracy theory for every single movie we watch, so it's starting to become a, a theme where you just add on these little twists on here, and it's just like and nothing in the story is saying that or supporting that. Really, you're just drawing a conclusion because it's a conclusion that could be drawn. Uh, I mean, I all right, all right. I'll I'll leave it be. I'm just saying. I read that, and I was I was a little shocked. I was like, wait. He imagined it. I thought it really happened. So I was with you. Okay. All right. All right. But, but moving on, Jack is now dead. Uh, the last time that Ennis ever saw him was at that lake when he said, I wish I could quit you. And I don't think they, they saw each other ever again after that. So uh, Ennis now goes to see Jack's parents for the first time ever. It's very awkward. The dad seems, again, another character that seems to know something. What does he know? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think they definitely know something was weird about their kid. But did you get a real, like, uh, Ray Finkel's parents vibe from these two? <laughs> <laughs> you know, from Ace Ventura? Yeah. Lace is out, Dan. You want a cookie? <laughs> yeah, the, the mom is very inviting, but also incredibly creepy. And the dad, yeah, the dad's yeah. just, like, side-eye, literally looking sideways yeah. at Ennis. And I was just, I started laughing in the middle of the scene because I was like, oh my God, this could be the exact same scene from Ace Ventura Pet Detective from the, the Finkel residence. <laughs> well, the thing I thought was funny in this scene, and it's probably not supposed to be funny at all, is the parents give Ennis permission to go up to Jack's room because they left it the same as Jack had left it. And yeah, like when he was a boy. Like, <laughs> yeah, and, and through his, yeah. his ranching years because he has up his his ranching clothes that I guess uh, earlier in the movie, we forgot to mention it, but Ennis says, Oh man, I lost my favorite shirt. I must've left it at the campsite. Now we find out that Jack actually stole 
Ennis's shirt and had been keeping it in his closet all these years. Creepy. Little creepy. So to, to retaliate or reciprocate the creepiness, Ennis gathers up Jack's <laughs> bloody clothes and sniffs them. It's a whole bag of creepy going on. Right it's, it's just double creepy there. He's sniffing his, yeah. sniffing his laundry, sniffing his dirty laundry, and he takes off some of the ashes underneath this uh, jacket. I, I guess the dad wanted the body to be buried on the family plot, and, uh, mm-hmm. and Ennis wanted to take the body up to Brokeback Mountain. Did they resolve how that went down? Well, also, Jack requested to be have his ashes spread on Brokeback Mountain, and the parents were just openly not, uh, not going to honor his request. <laughs> I don't know why, other than the fact that they might just everyone knows they're gay or whatever, but... Uh, yeah, they're just gonna they're just gonna deny their son's dying request to where they spread his ashes. So, so what, good on you. What did Ennis have in his hands when he left the house? I, I saw the shirt, I, the clothes. I thought right. So he didn't have the ashes. He just grabbed those clothes out of the closet and, and let well enough alone. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah. yeah, the whole scene was a little weird, and this is like pretty much the end of the movie. The last yeah. the last scene is Ennis is now sitting in his trailer alone. His daughter, which who's played by Kate Mara or Mara, uh, she comes up to the house and she begs him to to allow her to be married and to give her away at his daughter's wedding. And Ennis acts like this is some horrible task that he's got to complete. How? Why is this so hard? Because he's the worst fucking father ever. Yeah, just <laughs> go give your daughter away. Go to her fucking wedding. Like, what's your problem? Yeah. Like what's what's your deal, dude? It's your daughter. Come on, man, help out a little bit. Yeah. Have some redeeming qualities. Yeah, be somewhat of a father. And so, I guess in a great transformation, he agrees. And so he's now a great father because he's doing what any father should do. He's done the bare minimum. And he he garners some inspiration by looking at Jack's old clothes. And the final line in the movie is he says, "Jack, I swear." And that's it. That's the end of the movie. That's it. That's it all, folks. And also, I would like to mention that it went on way too long after Jack's death. Death. Like, even though there's not a lot going on, the movie actually goes on for way longer than than after he died. And it's just, it's like, can we just hurry up and end this shit already, or what? Like, what was the point of that last scene? What what transformation did Ennis undergo? What happened to Ennis? Uh, I think maybe we're supposed to we're supposed to see his utter regret for not pursuing his life with Jack, but I don't believe it. No, I don't believe it either. I didn't buy it, and I didn't get it. Uh, so, I mean, it is what it is. I didn't I didn't understand what they were trying to tell me here, but this is not the way I thought the movie was going to end. Yeah, I was just kind of like, well, that's I guess the end. Yeah. Well. <laughs> Huh. I can't. Interesting. Yeah, I guess interesting. I my note says uh because <laughs> I was like, all right, well, that, yeah, that, that's over. Well, it ended as it went for the most part of the movie, which is not super spectacular. <laughs> no. Yeah. No. And I gotta agree. I gotta agree with you. The most exciting scene was the uh, was the explicit sex scene by the two of them in the early parts of it. After that, I was just like. Finding real reasons to keep watching. Yeah, and well, the uh, karate kick was cool too. But yeah, that's that's pretty much it. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, to to further the mediocrity of this movie, I hardly had any favorite lines. Did you have a couple? <clears throat> yeah, yeah, I got a few, but it was, and they're not even impressive. I don't feel like, like after the bear attacks and he's back there bleeding, he says something. He goes, "Well, goddamn, dumbass mule ran off." <laughs> he just says, "Dumbass." The way he says, "Dumbass mule," I just love that. And then. uh Oh yeah, when the, we talked about a little bit where, where where he tells off his father-in-law and he's like, "Now you sit down, you old son of a bitch." <laughs> also, we didn't mention it, but during one scene, the cowboys are smoking ganja, and what? I thought that that yeah, they're passing a joint back and forth, getting high. I miss that. Yeah, it's it's part of the lore. Do they, <laughs> do they say <laughs> do they say something funny during this, or are they just one of your favorite lines no. was them getting high? No, they're. Yeah, they're just passing a, a joint back and forth, like when I'm watching, looking over the mountains, when they're having one of their like nice hangout moments. Uh, I thought that was cool. And then uh, I wish I knew how to quit you. Obviously, and that was my last one. Was the famous "I wish I knew how to quit you." Yeah, that one's just too good not to include. So I included that as well. I wish I mm-hmm. could, I wish I could quit you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a, a couple other ones I liked. I liked when uh, the 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 guy that was bringing the supplies to Heath Ledger's character, when he brings it to him, uh, and it says, Oh, I'm getting tired of beans. And the guy's like, it's awful early in the summer to be getting tired of beans. or It's too early in the summer to be sick of beans. So it's like, that's all they <laughs> eat is beans all the time. Yeah. 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 And then, uh, when, when Jack and Ennis are talking about how Jack was a rodeo cowboy and it says, well, my daddy says all rodeo cowboys are fuck ups. I kind of like that. <laughs> Just the idea that there's, it's like carnies almost. There's like a, a, a subset of, of people that are generally frowned upon for some reason because of their profession. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I, I kind of like that. And then, of course, uh, you know, I wish I could quit you. And those, those well, are the only ones. And now that we know the meaning of it, I think stemming the rose is a really good one. <laughs> yeah, stemming the you rose was good. You two up there stemming the rose. <laughs> oh, yeah. And speaking of Randy Quaid's character, I did like the very first line in the movie. I forget word for word what it is, but he says, if you couple of deuces want some work, then get your asses in here. So he calls yeah. them deuces. Like, is he saying they're pieces of shit? Is that like number number twos? Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. Yeah, I, I kind of like that, too. He He's full of those great, uh, those great uh, one-liners, I guess. All in all, the quotes were pretty weak. Yeah, the dialogue was not much. And, uh, yeah, in general, I just left myself wondering why this movie was so well-received other than the social commentary of it all. So I think I think this is an instance where the life was bigger than the art in what was going on at the time. And I know it's a very crucial moment for, you know, gay Hollywood – and I think it's an important thing for that that and monumental in that aspect. But as far as a movie goes, I, I'm I don't know if it deserved quite the reception that it got. But you know, I could be wrong. Yeah, I I, I agree with you, and and my grade is going to reflect that. And I know you're right. gonna you're gonna call me a, a homophobe for it. And really, the well, re- I- the reason I didn't like this movie had nothing to do with the gay aspect, it just bored me. And for me, that's, that's a cardinal sin of movies. I should never feel bored. Uh, the, the scenery was great. 
and that was cool, but that kind of went out the window at pretty quickly early on. And, you know, you're seeing the great West or the, the mountainous West and Wyoming. I liked all that, but I've, you know, I've seen it all before. So it wasn't, I don't know. Like that was the best part of the movie for me. The story yeah. was just okay. The romance, honestly, it felt more devious and, and people were being harmed by it. So it wasn't heartwarming to me. Um, yeah. Very little action to speak of. The music got repetitive. It was melancholy and, and repetitive. And, mm-hmm. and so it's just a lot of downside for me. And even the acting performances. I really like Heath Ledger and I don't have anything against Jake Gyllenhaal, but their performances didn't overly impress me in this movie. Uh, Heath Ledger, he did sink into the character pretty well, I will say. Yeah, he, I think he really got, I, I think he really presented us with a raw, real character as opposed to Jake Gyllenhaal kind of was not as believable to me, I guess. I think he was probably cast all right, but I just for some reason, I just don't like the way he delivers a lot of his lines, I guess. I, I don't know what it is because he seems to fit the part, but uh, I just am not a Jake Gyllenhaal fan. So Yeah, and because of the, and of course, Anne Hathaway, I wasn't huge on the acting either. So that's just a lot of downside for this movie yeah. for me. But I want to hear your grade before I give mine because I don't want to be like 10 points below you and then have you bitch at me. for Wait, I was going to let you give your grade and then I would one-up you and call you a homophobe. Yeah, I, I know. <laughs> <laughs> no, go ahead. You first. All right, 19. Yeah, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. 19 out of 100? Yeah, no, like this This movie borderlines rewatchable, but I don't think it is. And I think we've kind of set the mark at 10 for rewatchable, right? Yeah. So I'm going to give it a 9 because I think it's right below rewatchable. Like I, I actually was kind of distracted while watching this movie, and I was like, fuck, I hope I don't have to watch this thing again. So, <laughs> it's like, so, so I, people, yeah, so people were texting me while I was watching it, and I was like, uh, I don't want to watch this movie, but I also don't want to ignore it either. <laughs> yeah. So I, so I almost thought about rewatching it again today before this, and I was like, no, I don't want to do it. Well, I just want to note that is your lowest grade that you've given on a movie so far. Okay, good. So, so this is worse. But, than the Irish but wait a second. No, wait a second, because I'd like to formally re- redact my Irishman grade and make my Irishman grade an eight. So you'd rather watch this than The Irishman? Yes. All right. See, we're going to differ there because I preferred The Irishman, and that's the first time I've said this on this podcast, but I preferred The Irishman. I hated The Irishman. But at least it had a few moments where I enjoyed it a little bit. And this one had very, very few moments where I enjoyed it. So for my grade, I'm always uh, comparing, comparing these to the other grades I've given. And The Irishman was a nine for me. Varsity Blues was a seven for me. And I would prefer to see both of those movies than this. Even Sounds like we're about to get a real homophobic grade. <laughs> even though, even though <laughs> I didn't like Varsity Blues and I thought that it was uh, actually harmful for young people to probably watch, I don't think that's the case with this movie, but it bored me to death. And it wasn't particularly interesting. So I'm going to give it a six out of 20. Just below Varsity Blues. (laughs) That's so funny because cinematically, this is way better than Varsity Blues. And I rated it below Varsity Blues too. (laughs) 
Well, I mean, these it's not just about you know the skill. It's not the about the, it's not about yeah, it's not about the like. There was so much talent in this movie, and it just was <sighs> boring. <laughs> well, we rated the scary movies on a scary movie scale, and the Lord of the Rings on a Lord of the Rings scale. So, if we're rating this on a gay movie scale. This, it is the highest grade we've given. This might, <laughs> this might be the greatest gay movie of all time. I will say that. Yeah. But so far, it's also the worst. So Yeah, it is the worst. <laughs> so I, I'm sorry, not sorry. I didn't love Brokeback Mountain. I'll, I'll probably never watch it again. And I'm not going to recommend anyone else watch it for really any nope. reason. And I, I agree with you, even though like I just about all this stuff, because it's just like, it, I, I can see the allure of it, and I can see why socially it was real popular at the time. And, it, you know, it's a great thing that they're doing and bringing light to this sort of topic. But as I, I'm viewing it from a cinematic experience, and I, I just was not uh, super entertained, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, we didn't like the movie. It's, it just is yeah. what it is. You know what I kept thinking of during the movie? is I don't know if you remember, but in The Sopranos, in the, in the final season... After uh, you know they have the whole veto storyline, Silvio says something to Tony like, uh, "It's it's the closeted lifestyle makes them devious," and so <laughs> and so I kept thinking about these poor wives of these guys. You know they're just sneaking off and being devious with one another, and and the poor yeah. ever, you know everyone else gets the uh, aftermath. Yeah, that's funny. So Sopranos never leaves my head. It's just always Yeah, there. well, we got a wrestling reference in. We got a Soprano reference in. I'm sure we, we mentioned Lord of the Rings multiple times. So You said we yada, covered, yada, yada. We covered all the I verses. said yada, yada, yada. We hit all of our marks. You insulted, this, you insulted me. I, yeah, I called you a homophobic or a racist or a sexist or something like that. So we hit all of our main points. So... Even though this movie didn't land higher than a, a 10 on our scale, this podcast lands way up there for sure. Yeah, for sure. It, it, I hope it, it's better than the movie. As long as we stick this landing. Yeah. Well, there's only a couple things left. Uh, and speaking of sticking the landing, where should people email us? <laughs> email us at rancidtacopodcast at gmail.com. Very good. Hail Melkor. Hail Melkor. Hail Payment and, and Hail Moss. Hail. Oh, hell, Moss. Hell, Mary Moss. Straight bass, homie. Straight bass, homie. All right. So next week, we've got Don Juan DeMarco. Yes. Johnny Depp, uh, Marlon Brando, who I, I'm a huge Marlon Brando fan, so I'm just going to nerd out right now and, and just tell you that I might go off onto some random Marlon Brando stories. But he's one. Of, he's probably the most interesting actor of all time. All right. Well, I I'm, don't know a whole lot about Brando, so maybe we'll get into that down the road. Well, I mean, he did. He brought uh, modern American acting to what it is. He he brought the Stanislavski system and method, sort of, to the silver screen. My favorite Marlon Brando story is well, there's two of them. It, one is on the island of Doctor Moreau, was it or, that he filmed? <laughs> yeah. And he uh, he had some crazy demand that what was it? something to do with dolphins like he had to have a pet dolphin on set at all times or something that's probably a rumor or something but he was known to be very like hard to work with and he even talked about it and he said that after a while he just started trying to push the limits and see what what they would give him and what they would do for him so he was he was more of a mischief maker than than uh asshole i think 
but he also probably had the potential to be an asshole. Well, my other Marlon Brando story that I like is uh, when they were shooting Apocalypse Now. Apparently, he was way too fat to play the role that he was <laughs> yeah, supposed to play. Showed up way, way overweight. <laughs> so they just kept him in shadows all the time, so they didn't expose how fat he had become. Yeah, and like Francis Ford Coppola is like Marlon. What happened? You were supposed to show up. Uh, you were supposed to show up at this amount of weight, and you're like way over it. And he goes, "Pizza." <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorites is in The Godfather. You know, he's got James Caan and um, uh, who are all the other? You know, they're all carrying. They, when he's getting brought home from the hospital, so they're all carrying his bed up the stairs in a scene. And before the scene, he had a, uh, one of the other, like, stage guys load a bunch of, of weights and sand onto it. <laughs> so the bed was, like, way heavier than it should be. And all these guys are, like, struggling to carry it up the stairs. And yeah, he's just laughing his ass off. Of oh, what a jerk. Yeah, he is a prankster. He was, he's funny. He's really weird. All right. Well, well, we'll get into some Marlon Brando next week because I don't remember anything about Don Juan DeMarco. Well, it's at the end of his career, so he's de- it's definitely an older Brando, but he never lost the ability. He was just a natural actor. The only scene I remember from that movie is at one point Johnny Depp, I think, walks into a a room. It looks like a like a beach house or something, and there's probably a hundred to a hundred and fifty topless women all in there. Okay. <laughs> and my mom gets, tried to gets, cover my eyes when I watched that when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah he gets snuck in there as like one of the Hiram and lives by himself with a with a bunch of uh, beautiful women, you know, and he's just making love to all of them the whole time. Apparently, yeah, what a stud. Yeah. All right, so that's next week. Uh, did you have anything else to say about Brokeback Mountain? Uh, if you fucking ask me this, it's one gonna week. happen every week, and I'm gonna get into the cast every week too. <laughs> All right, then I guess I just I got no choice but to do every week. I got to try to hustle you along in the cast, and the end say <laughs> I have nothing else to fucking say. I wish I could quit you. I wish I could quit you. You want to go fishing? Yeah, man. Let's oh, no. Let's just wrestle, man. I don't like fishing. All right, I'll bring the uh, I'll bring the lube. Actually. Uh, they- the bait. Let's go kill an elk, man. That that seems fun. Let's eat that, that shit. That did actually seem kind of cool. And then let's learn kung fu. All right. All right. Well, uh, thanks everybody for listening, and we will see you next week. See you next week. I'm not you. I can't make it on a couple of high altitude fucks once or twice a year. I wish I knew how to quit you. Everyone loves movies from Webster to Morocco. Who needs rotten tomatoes when you've got the rancid tacos? This podcast is brought to you by West Virginia Pepperoni Rolls.